I began last week talking to you on the subject of shaping your tomorrow, how that you and I have the ability with the presence of God and the help of God in our life to make a difference in what tomorrow is going to be. In other words, instead of just showing up and wondering what's going to take place, that we really have the ability to make a difference in what's going on and what's going to be happening tomorrow. So would you take your Bibles today, go to the New Testament book of James, almost to the end of the New Testament there. Uh, if you've got it on an iPad or whatever you have the Word of God on, would you go there today to the book of James chapter 1. As you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries ministries, and I'm thankful for what God is doing in every location of Love and Truth Church. I genuinely believe that as we gather together week after week in different locations, that we are making a difference in our communities and in the world. So let's get ready to receive what God has for us today in the Word of God. Now last week I talked to you on the subject of that harvest is in the seed, and how that each and every one of us need to understand that everything we do in life is a seed. And that that seed is going to produce. And that what we have to understand is, is that we need to become seed conscious and not sin conscious. Would you say that with me? Become seed conscious and not sin conscious. We have lived so long uh, being focused on sin. Oh, is this sin? Is that sin? Here's what the Word of God says. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but who walk after the Spirit. In other words, the sin issue is taken care of. Doesn't mean we don't have problems with sin. It just means that Jesus Christ has already taken care of the sin issue. And so what I need to focus on is not sin. I need to focus on the aspects of my life that I am living day in and day out and what I am doing and how I am doing it so that I sow the right kind of seeds so that I can receive the right kind of harvest. Now today we're going, to, we're going to look at another aspect of what we need to do to shape uh, our tomorrow. Would you look there in the book of James, James chapter 1, and I'm beginning in verse number 5. And this is a scripture that I pray almost daily. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now, I need wisdom daily. I don't know about you. And so I pray this almost on a daily basis. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man, that woman, that person should not think that they will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded person, unstable in all that he does. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Here's my subject. You ready? Here's the subject. What were you thinking? Come on. Have you, have you ever had somebody to ask you, what in the world were you thinking? I, I, I wanted to ask Bill Clinton that a few years ago. What were you thinking? I wanted to ask Rihanna that not long ago. Sorry. What were you thinking? I was watching playoff games, and I wanted to ask Peyton Manning, what? What were you thinking? What? And how often have, have we had that happen in our lives that, that somebody comes along? I, I know as a, as a teenager, I had that question asked me a lot. Son, what were you thinking? And most of the time it was not much. I was just kind of going with the flow. I was hanging with everybody else, doing what everybody else does. And I'm not going to share any of those today because they're none of your business. But it, 
in our lives, what we find is, is that, that all of us have uh, established some patterns of thinking. Now, here's what the Word of God talks about. The, the Bible says uh, that we are to pull down strongholds and cast down imagination and everything that exalts itself against the name of the Lord. Now, that word stronghold, we kind of make it a real spiritual thing. We say, oh, we need to really get in, in the, in, you know, prayer and fasting, and, and I believe in all those things. But when you study what stronghold means, stronghold just means a way of thinking. That in other words, in our lives, in our, in, in our uh, history, something has happened to us, something took place in our life that we created a certain way of thinking and that now it has become a stronghold that breaks through every time we uh, begin to find ourselves in a mess. And so uh, it, it's kind of that uh, place that you default to. It's, it's that way of acting. It's that way of living that you kind of go back to just by instinct, just simply because of the thoughts. A, a lot of times those thoughts, those actions are, are negative things. Now, those actions can also be positive things. Those, those thoughts can also be positive. I, I, I'm a student of history. I love to read about history, and, and one of my favorite people to read about is Winston Churchill. And, and I, I have studied him through the years, and, and I read that, that when uh, Hitler came to power in Germany, that Churchill immediately began to say, uh, this guy is a bad guy. There's going to be all kinds of problems. But everybody else, even the, the prime minister of, of England at that point, went and made a treaty with Hitler and all this stuff. Everybody said, oh, no, it's going to be peace and prosperity. But because Winston Churchill had been thinking right, he'd been studying history, he said, this guy is a bad guy. And history proves that Winston Churchill was right. And then he stepped forward and because of that was able to save the British Empire. When you begin to understand that your thought either determine good things or negative things about your life, then you begin to think differently. The Bible tells us this. It says to think on those things which are good, those things which are lovely, those things which are pure, those things which have a good report. It says think on these kind of things. Now, how many of you know if we genuinely would begin to do that, our lives would look different? Now, here's, here's our problem. I think a lot of us have bought in to what somebody else told us about ourselves, and we believe what somebody else said about us more than what God said about us. Somebody told you in the third grade you were a loser, and every time you look in the mirror, you see loser. Somebody told you when you went through a divorce that you were ugly, you were unattractive, and nobody would ever want you, and every time you enter into a relationship, those thoughts come back to your mind, and before the relationship even starts good, it's already sabotaged by the way that you think. Here's what I want you to understand. Our strongest beliefs, whether positive or negative, often become reality. The Bible says it this way, as a person thinks in their heart, so is he. As you think, as your mind, whatever it is that you are dwelling on, as you do that, as you look at yourself, and maybe you were told, maybe one day the teacher called you up and, and told you to read in front of the class in elementary school, and you kind of stumbled around, and you didn't do well, and he or she said to you, go sit down, uh, you're a bad reader. And, and, and so now, you're 30 years old, but every time you pick up a book, you just tell yourself, well, I can't read well, I, I'm, I'm a bad reader. No, you're not, you're smart. 
God has created you with intelligence. God has given you ability. In fact, here's what God says about you. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans for success, and plans for a great future. That's what God has for you, but you've got to change your thinking. You, you, you've got to begin to move in the way you think. The, the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter, the 29th verse out of the Message Bible says this, what you believe, you will see. What you believe, you'll see. If you believe that your marriage is going to be destroyed, you will help it be destroyed. If you believe that your children are going to be great and wonderful and powerful, you can help shape them in that manner. God has given us the ability to shape our tomorrows. And it's not just about, you know, so, so often what we hear is we hear about, you know, heaven. One of these days we're going to heaven. Yeah, that's wonderful, but I don't know about you. I'm not there yet. When I wake up, sometimes it seems south of the border. It seems like the other destination, all right? And so what I've got to do is I've got to find out as a believer, as a person who wants to walk in relationship to Jesus Christ, I've got to find out what I do in my life that can affect the future positively so that I can be everything that God wants me to be. I can be a light. I can be an example. I can show other people what Jesus Christ has done in my life. And as I do that, then they're attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ and their lives also are changed. If you want to today, take your Bibles, go to the book of 1 Samuel, because we're going to spend a few minutes there. I started off in James talking about where the Scripture talks about if we lack wisdom, if we'll ask of God, He'll give it to us generously. And, and then the Scripture talks about, uh, but don't be double-minded. Don't be a person who, you know, uh, in, in one sense is, is right in your heart but wrong in your head. You know what I mean? Come on. I, I, I mean, there, when, when you come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're right in your heart. But when you find yourself living life in different ways, you're wrong in the head. And so what we've got to do today is we've got to figure out what we're thinking. And so as, as I begin to think about this, I don't know about you, but I have some favorite people in the Bible that I like to look at their lives. One of those is a guy named King David. Uh, and, and the story we're going to talk about today is before he was king. He was still just a shepherd. Uh, but David inspires me. First of all, David is a man of great, great failure. I don't know about you, that inspires me. Because he was a man also of great success. But, but what I love about David is David's life. When, when you look in the book of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, what you find is a setting where the children of Israel have gone into battle against a group of people called the Philistines. They had a warrior who stood over nine feet tall. This giant of a man would come out every day and he would declare to the children of Israel, to the army of Israel, send me somebody to fight and whoever wins, just two people going to be in a battle, one's going to be killed, and then the other one, whoever loses, they will serve the winner. Now, what is interesting here is that when you read the Scripture, you find that David's father called him one day and said, I want you to take some food to your brothers who are in battle. David is still a young teenage boy who has been spending his life on the backside of the desert. 
He has been out with the sheep. He's been taking care of sheep all the time. Uh, and, and he didn't have, you know, he didn't have an iPod. He didn't have a radio. He didn't have a television. He didn't have, you know, the Internet. I mean, he's just out there. And in those moments where David is out there, he writes the majority of what we call the book of Psalms. In those moments, as he's out there with God, he begins to talk to God about things in his life. And what you find about David in his conversation with God is that David believes that God is bigger than anything he's going to face. David says it this way. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Then he goes on a little bit later. He says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I want to tell you, if you started off your day saying that, all of a sudden your brain would begin to change. And so David lived this way. And so David shows up to battle. He is expecting, you know, he's, he's a teenage boy. And you know how teenage boys are. They love, you know, blood and guts and gore and, right? I mean, they, you know, the worse the better with teenage boys. And, and he comes bopping over the hill because, listen, David had heard all of his life how powerful the army of Israel was. He had heard all of his life that God was with the Israelites. He had been taught that. And so he's coming and he's thinking, man, this is going to be great. We're going to see all of the destruction of the Philistines. This army is going to be destroyed and I'm going to get to see how great the army of Israel is. And he comes across the hill and what he finds are a bunch of six-foot-tall babies in their tents sucking their thumbs. And Goliath, this giant of a man, is roaring out against the children of Israel saying, Send me a man who will fight. And David says, I'm your man. Why? Because David fought right. See, I, I want to show you three things out of David's life. The, the first thing is found in the 37th verse of 1 Samuel, and it says this. David talking to Saul says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So King Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Here's the number one thing I want you to understand. I hope you're taking notes. Number one is this. Our beliefs affect our choices. What you believe affects what you're going to choose to do. David sees all of this. He believes. He said, listen, I have fought a bear. I have fought a lion. In fact, when you, you read that whole context of Scripture, what you find is, is that David never calls Goliath a giant. The best thing that David says about Goliath is that he is an uncircumcised Philistine. That is not blessing him. That's kind of nasty. That's kind of in your face. Here's what I'm saying to you. But what David did is because of what he believed and what he believed about God, he said, you know what? I am going to choose to go out and to fight this battle because I believe with all of my heart that greater is he that's in me than this one I'm going to face. And so he got up and he said, I can do this. We can make it happen. 
Then, as you look in verse 38, 39, and 40, and I won't take time to read all of that, what you find is, is that Saul says, okay, but before you go to battle, let me put all of this, all of my warfare implements upon you. Let me give you my shield and, and, and all the things. Let me place them upon you. And so, so David starts, and, he, and he, he takes all of this stuff. And you've got to understand, the Scripture says that Saul, King Saul, stood head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. So if all the men of Israel are six feet tall, then, then King Saul is seven, seven, six, maybe even eight feet tall. My question is, if you're that big, why are you hanging out in the tent? Why didn't you go fight Goliath? That's a whole other sermon. But in, in this, David puts on this, I mean, again, David's a teenager. He's a young kid. He puts on all of this armor, and what he finds is he can't even move. I mean, he's just weighted down. So David takes it off, and he says, wait a minute, King. He said, I know how I can defeat this giant. I know how I can defeat Goliath. He said, I'm going to go down to the brook. And he said, I've learned how to be really good with a slingshot. I've said for years, the only two things that David had was a slingshot and a mean guitar. That's all he had. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of pedigree with him. He just knew how to play a harp and he knew how to sling a sling. And that's what God used to elevate him to become king of all of Israel. You don't, let me just stop here. You don't have to have 50 different things. You just have to have the right thing with the anointing of the presence of God on it to elevate you to where God wants you to be. Let me say this to you as well. You don't have to have everybody to like you. You just have to have the right person to show up in your life to like you that can elevate you to the next place that God has for you. That's what happened in David's life. But, but let me get back to the story. So, so David takes it all off. He puts it down. Now, here's the second thing you've got to understand. Number two is this. Our beliefs, our thoughts affect our potential. David said, I can't wear this, but he said, I know what I have proven, and I am able to use a sling, and I know that I'm able to go forth. What is it in your life that you believe in? What is it that's inside of you that God has given you the ability, the talent, the anointing that God has placed within your life that you are able now to say, wait a minute, I refuse to sit back and hang out with the timid, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to play. Do, do we really know that if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and so David just says, you know what, I, I'm going to do this. The, the third thing about this whole process here with David is, is verse 45 through 47. As he gets in contact with Goliath, he, he talks to Goliath. He says, uh, you come against me with a, with a sword and a javelin. And he said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. The third thing is this. Our beliefs, how we think. Well, let me help some of you. Some of you need to quit hanging out with some people. I'm going to tell you, if all they do is talk negative, if all they do is bring you down, if all they do is talk against the ones God has placed in your life, then why don't you find somebody? See, here's what David did. David said, I'm going to do this. Now, it's interesting. David said, uh, whoever does this, what do they get? In other words, he's looking for a reward. And they told him, he said, well, whoever does this, uh, their family is tax-free from then on. Now, I'm ready to fight for that one. Especially as they keep jacking up these taxes. All right, I'm, I'm ready to go for that one. Then he said, uh, you get to live, live in the king's palace. That's pretty good. 
and said, thirdly, you get the king's daughter. You get to marry her. He said, sign me up. He said, I'm ready. Why? Because David believed in the power of God Almighty, not in himself, but he said, God's with me, God's for me. And he said, because of that, I know that this one who has come out against the army of God is going to go down. And so he said, you know what? As my thought process affects my future. How you think, what you think about affects your future. And so as, as you look at that, here's, here's what I, I want to ask you. What do you think about God? I mean, really, what do you think about God? Do you really believe God is good? Or do we just, well, God is good. No, no, no. Do you really believe God is good? Some of you really think God's mad at you. You, you, you walk around all the time. I, I was in prayer just uh, today, early. And, and I, I never had this thought, but as I was praying, I, I just thought, I, I thought, I wonder what it is that I do that makes God smile. Now think about that. Some of you think that every time God looks at you, he's mad at you. But I want to tell you, God is a good God. He wants the best for you. And I guarantee you, there are some things about you that makes God smile. Now, there's some other things that makes him laugh. That's a whole different deal. But there are certain things. It says when your child does good or, or something, you, you're just happy. You're just proud. You know, when, when, when my kids played ball and stuff, man, you know, they do good. Man, I, was, I was proud. It was, it was wonderful. So you, you've got to understand that. Do you really believe God is good? Number two is, do you really believe the Bible is true? I mean, is this just, uh, you know, a few thousand years of, of different guys' writings? And, uh, well, you know, it's nice, but, you know, it's kind of old and archaic. And it, No, or is it really true? Is God's Word really true? Does God really want to bless me? Does God really want me to be in health and to prosper even as my soul prospers? Where do I look when I look, and what do I understand about the Bible? Number three is, do I believe prayer works? See, a lot of us have given up on prayer. We asked for something, we didn't get it, it didn't come through the way we thought we should, and so we've given up. I want to tell you, keep praying. Keep on. Don't, don't, don't stop now. Just know that if you call upon God, He hears you. And lastly is this, do I really, now came, come on, get ready for this one. Do I really believe that all things work together for my good? Do I really believe that divorce that I went through really is going to produce good in my life? I didn't say God caused the divorce. Don't misquote me. I didn't say God created a situation so you would get divorced. That's not what I'm talking about. But do you really believe what the Scripture says, that all things work together for my good, for those who are called according to His purpose? That tough time, that rough situation, that difficulty you've gone through, that loss that you've... Do we really believe in that moment all things work together for good? I want to tell you, I've seen it time and time and time and time again, how that in the midst of what seemingly was devastation, God brought restoration. And that's what you got to believe for today. Now, 
Let's make it practical. How do we live this out as we close today? How, how do we make it part of our lives? How do we begin to live life thinking the right way? Last week we talked about sowing seeds of action, thoughts, and ideas, and, and lifestyle. But how do we today, how do we get our thoughts in the right place? Number, number one. In fact, just, just write this if you're writing something. Just put RPM. Now, I know RPM means revolutions per minute. I understand that. Don't come to me about your car. That's not what I'm talking about. All right? But this way you won't forget it. Here's three things you need to do to help you to live life and to do what God's called you to do and to shape your tomorrow and to have a destiny that's worth looking back at and going, look what God's done. Number one is the letter R, read. Read the Bible. Read the Bible daily. That's why we've been talking so much as the year ended in the first of this year. Go go on the website daily. Click on that Bible study plan. Uh, It'll take you a few minutes, but just, just spend time in the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is life. It's truth. It's, it's healing, the Bible says, to those who read it. It's, it's the anointing of God. As you read the Word of God, something begins to happen to you. Your mind begins to think better thoughts. Your, your life begins to change as you read the Word of God. So daily, I encourage you, daily, get some kind of a plan. I, it doesn't, you don't have to do with the one I do, but get a plan that you are daily in the Word of God. And secondly, pray. Pray. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Some of you don't need to volunteer. You know how to do That's what prayer is. Prayer is not religious activity. You say, well, when should I pray? Well, I, I believe in setting certain times. I don't have a problem with that. But the Scripture says this about prayer. It says pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean 24 hours a day you're on your knees with your hands lifted. What that means is, is that daily, as you are living all day long, that your mind, your thoughts, whatever you're doing, that you are running those by the Lord, saying, Lord, here's what I'm getting ready to do. Here's what's going on today. Lord, I need help in this moment. And, and as you're doing that, you, what you're doing is, is that you're fixing or you're setting your affections on things above. And so prayer is vital. Prayer comes out of relationship. Prayer comes out of that that alone time that you and God have where he begins to talk to you about what's happening in your life and then last the M there is meditate now that's something we don't do much in our society you know unless we you know do did a yoga class somewhere and you know got it like a pretzel and mm, and tried to achieve the state of nothingness I went there once it's Kansas uh Sorry for any of you from Kansas. Uh, That's not what meditation is. Here's what meditation is, biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is focused thinking. here's, Here's what biblical meditation is. The Bible says that after the angel came to Mary, who was going to be the mother of Jesus, it said, and Mary pondered those things in her heart. She meditated on them. She thought, what did that angel mean? What? How is this going to happen? How is this going to take place? And so meditation in your life, why do I need to meditate? Because, first of all, is we run 90 miles an hour all day long. And, and a lot of us, our prayer time usually is all broadcasting and no receiving. Lord, now I got this going on today, and I got this happening, and I got something else over here, and you need to take care of that person over there because you know they're wearing me out and... 
right? All the stuff that we lay out. And so meditation is just coming to that point and saying, Lord, now talk to me. And, and you know what I find? That when I do this, um, and I'm not the best person at being quiet, but I, I find that when I'm in those moments, all of a sudden something that I read in the Bible that day or something that I felt in prayer, God will begin to renew it to me. He'll begin to speak it to me. He'll begin to say, now, uh, you know what, I kind of convicted you about this, so let's talk about it. And all of a sudden I, I will begin to get insight on how, how to live a better life or how to become a better husband or how, how, you know, how, to, how to slow down or how, whatever it is in those moments. But it comes in meditation. Now, somebody will say, because I know uh, all of you are thinking, you, you're, a lot of you are very logical and some of you are very legalistic, so let me help you. A lot of you are saying, well, how long should I do this? Let me help you. If you haven't been doing it at all, then try 15 minutes. Five minutes to read the Word, five minutes to pray, and five minutes to meditate. Now, I know when I say that, that the spiritual giants among us, Go, I can't believe everybody ought to spend an hour in prayer, an hour in the Word, and an hour in meditation. Listen, I would be thrilled if I thought every person attending a Love and Truth church was spending 15 minutes a day reading, praying, and meditating. I mean, I think we'd have revivals, what I think, because all of a sudden we'd all be getting in one mind and one accord. Now, as you build that pattern, as you do that for a season, you do that for a consecutive time frame, then what you'll find is, is that then you'll have the ability to expand that. But if you haven't been praying on a consistent basis, you haven't been reading, you haven't been meditating, don't leave here today saying, I'm going to start that and I'm going to do an hour a day because you're going to fail. And then when you fail, you've just created another stronghold in your mind and the enemy will wear you out with that. And so what we've got to do, we've got to understand that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he told us, he said, I've come that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly. In fact, the Bible says it this way. It says that he did not come to this world to condemn us, but he came to this earth to save us. Jesus Christ had one purpose and one purpose alone, and that was to reconcile us to God, to bring us into relationship where that you and I could live the abundant life that he has for us. He wanted to restore, and I close, he wanted to restore the same sense of blessing and prosperity and power that was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He wanted to bring that to every one of us so that we could truly live the abundant life. And that's what I challenge you. Here's my question to you. What were you thinking? Start thinking the right things, the positive things, the powerful things, and let's see what God will do.